Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Make It So Unofficial Podcast. I'm Ross Rossman Fertel. I'm Nathan Chewy Miracle. And we are here to discuss the seventh challenge Eat Donuts. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Wrong challenge. Delta Force. Ah, there we go. Yeah, not too good with donuts, but Delta Force we can handle. Yes. Well, the Delta Quadrant's just been the force to be reckoned with ever since they came out. They have, but people, uh, when the Next Generation stuff came out, continuing mission, I uh, felt like uh, the Alpha Quadrant really caught up with the Delta Quadrant. Of course, with some recent errata, feelings may change. Yeah, by, by recent you mean as of a couple days ago. Right. So, the extremely recent errata. Um, so, we really don't have any data to support one way or the other uh, what's going to happen. But, as far as this challenge is concerned, there are some Delta Quadrant factions that just aren't as powerful as their you know, other or same Quadrant brothers. Right. Well, the the big thing is, if it's a good enough, not Kazan, not Vidian faction, you can put them in your deck, and that they'll just dilute your Kazan and Vidians. Right. So this challenge, uh, the contestants have to make cards for one of the not great affiliations, and yet somehow make them. Good enough to be played, but not so good that you're going to put them, just throw them into a Vidian deck or a Herogen deck. Well, e- even more so, um, Tra- Charlie mentioned Escalation, and you know, even with your Temporal Micro Wormhole, you could report anyone anywhere, pretty much. So yeah, there, there is that fine line between making them good, but not, oh, these are great, what if I throw them in with my... Other guys. Right. And I think there's some ways that can be accomplished. You can make cards that are meant to work together so that this one personnel is great as long as you're playing non-aligned board or the Delta Quadrant Monkey or what, what have you. But they don't really work outside of the framework of the cards. And I think... That's where you get into, okay, we get to make six cards. We need to make the cards and the framework for them to work in. Right. Which, um, depending on what group you choose, six cards is either far too many or not enough. Right. So the four affiliations that are recommended, so to speak, are the Nautiline Borg, the Delta Quadrant Marquis, the Kazon, and the Delta Quadrant Klingons. Yeah, and my, my, my first thought with the non-aligned Borg was actually um, when, when Janeway and company tried to infiltrate and work with the Collective. And then I realized those would probably be Federation affiliation. Right, because they are Federation infiltrators. Uh, so they might be Federation with uh, the board infiltration icon, which would be an interesting sight to see, but wouldn't fulfill the, uh, the criteria aspects. for this challenge. 
So that's probably a no-go. Right. The, the first thing I thought when I saw non-aligned Borg is we already have a play engine for non-aligned Borg. But it lets you play them in the Alpha Quadrant. Followers of the One doesn't specify that your Borg need to be TNG icon. So all of your non-aligned Borg, no matter what quadrant affiliation, or excuse me, what quadrant icon they have, can play there because you're not using a facility to play them there. So right. if you do anything with non-aligned Borg, you have to consider you're going to be able to use them in the Alpha Quadrant as well. And that that's one of the expectations that Charlie has that you know even though they can do stuff in the Alpha Quadrant, the Delta Quadrant is home. Right, so somehow you have to make cards that can work in the Alpha Quadrant, or rather, they they will be able to work in the Alpha Quadrant because they're not aligned board, and yet they want to work in the Delta Quadrant. Right, well, maybe even a Delta Quadrant version of Followers of the One that lets you use your non-aligned Borg in the Delta Quadrant. That could work. Uh, do something... you. Know, source it as the Unimatrix Zero, and all the non-aligned Borg are just the uh, mental projections of the Borg who are in the Matrix. Right, because the, um, the, the non-aligned Borg in the Borg <coughs> all focus specifically on um, the, 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 the earlier episodes and the non-aligned Borg kids, but there, there's plenty of room to look at for your for the Unimatrix Zero, there's lot, lots of space there to augment those that already exist. In addition to the fact that they already have a ship in Life from Lifelessness. Yeah, and that could be a big help right there because that's one less card that you have to try to squeeze into your entry. Right, and I, I know that I, I am looking for a really cohesive entry with this challenge. Yes, this challenge, almost so most challenges, I, I want something very cohesive. Right. So there, there are options with the non-aligned board, but also the um, the Delta Quadrant Maquis. Right, the big concern with them is the Delta Quadrant Maquis thus far have been Federation slash non-aligned, which means you can throw them into any other affiliation. And that's part of their power. So if you want to build a straight Maquis deck, or if you want to get people to build a straight Maquis deck, that's something that you have to contend with somehow. Right. Well, my, my first thought with Delta Quadrant Maquis was um, in Repentance when um, Tuvok was infected with the infiltration virus and just decided to take over the ship for the Maquis because you, you did have Chakotay and all on the bridge in their Maquis clothing so that, that does kind of open the door for a Maquis Voyager that would be a sight to see I, I would look and then that would be a ship that could be used with Home Away From Home which is kind of a standard uh, play engine for the Delta Quadrant Right, and the, the, that card, you know that when they made that card, they were definitely looking ahead, because it, it doesn't specifically refer to Voyager, 
it, it, it definitely refers to all your Delta Quadrant personnel, and it's, a, a re, again, one less card you have to make. It's your play engine right there. Right. Uh, one thing that I think would be interesting to see if you did Delta Quadrant like is something that rewards you for having them in Federation mode. Uh, so that you can't use that card along with your Herogen or Vidian. Right, or just um, have the card nullify itself if your personnel go into non-aligned status. Right, you get the uh, reshape the Vidian mission treatment where it blows itself up. It's like, play this way, or else. Yes. <laughs> this is the field we are defining, do it or suck. Which then gives players the option to either do this or still run Maquis in the non-aligned form and just run them as they have been with the Herogen and the VD and, and not in the new form. Right. Because remember, the, um, the, there is no treaty for any of the Delta Quadrant affiliations, and in fact the auto-treaty function of their... Player playing cards has been eroded away. Alright. So, after Marquis, we have the Kazan, uh, who are, well, I suppose Borg are native to the Delta Quadrant, but outside of that, the Kazan are the only ones on this list who actually would have their headquarters, so to speak, if they had such a thing in the Delta Quadrant. Right. And, well, the Kazan, depending on who you talk to, they're either at the top of the list or at the bottom. Now, I've never actually tried to play Kazan. But what I've heard is that the problem is that you have to have a Maj out. And you have a lot of cards that could be replaced. But you got to get to that mosh first. So that's probably the first thing I would try to address if I chose to go the case on route. Well, the, the thing is, if they get an automatic mosh out with a seed or with a dilemma or with a hey, look over there, oh, wow, there's a mosh in play, that, that just does kind of make them a little, you know, a little too plug and play. True, but if you can only get one mosh, then you have options as to which faction that you want to play, which may mean that you need to boost some factions to get it to where there's an actual choice instead of there being an obvious choice. Right. But but then, well, the, this is also something with the Delta Quadrant Klingons, but um, you, you need you need to make six cards. And, you know, one of them is really obvious, this card that helps you get a Maj out. And then what do you do for your other five cards? So you're going to have one really awesome card and then five cards that are kind of there. Right. Uh, although yeah, I'd have to go back. Sorry? I'd have to go back and watch this, uh, just how many Hazon we actually see in Voyager if there's a possibility of creating a new uh, faction. Or, or even, you know, a couple Nistrum, you know, one from this sect, one from that sect. 
I mean, in in that scene with the Trave episode and all these K's on around who say that this guy was in an Eastrum or what have you. Right, background characters are great or we don't really know what this person is. Let's make it whatever we need him to be in the game. Well, then again, there, there's also the future episode that had a Kazon serving on the Ultimate Voyager crew. So perhaps a Kazon Federation personnel. And if your mind hasn't liquefied by now, it'll happen soon. <laughs> and then we, we also have um, the, the Delta Quadrant Klingon. Directly from a single episode. Not not only a single episode, but a lot of the personnel that you'd expect are already exist as cards. <coughs> now, in second edition, uh, they do have the Vakling, but the way they're set up, the personnel who actually appeared in that episode tend to get better in the Delta Quadrant, but you can still play other Klingons. So it might be something to look at to uh, allow a player to run non-Delta Quadrant Klingons in that deck. As long as you limited it to the right non-Delta Quadrant Klingons. Right, or just have a card that lets you have a Delta Quadrant Klingon in play, and then when this card is nullified, that personnel is discarded. And just make sure that they're, you know, universals that help you with skills and such. Right, that's that's what I was thinking, is have a card that allows you to get some universal Klingons, who might be Alpha Quadrant Klingons, into the Delta Quadrant, because, yeah, that guy is typical of Klingon navigators. Well, who's to say he couldn't have served on the Vakling? right. And I, I, I don't I, I know I know there are people that use the Vakling, but I, I don't really see a lot of people really rushing to use it even when it came out. So th- this would be a real nice way to help that deck out. But I'm I'm not really seeing six cards that can be created all of Klingon Delta Quadrant. Yeah, that would probably have to be a fairly verb-heavy entry. I mean, or if I think you might need personnel more. Well, you, you could include your Belana Torres, maybe a Miral Torres if you really, really, really want to stretch it. Or perhaps even a, a Tom, father of the Yes. You did get just fight to the Klingons. Yeah. Well, again, it mainly depends on the execution. You'll definitely get points for having the goth to do it, but I'm going to want to see how it's done. Which brings us to another option that you definitely get points for having the gumption to do, and that's other. Yes, it is. Uh, the infamous enough rope to hang yourself other. 
like my math teacher in high school that for the final exam said, remember, with every question, there is an invisible option of E, none of the above. So the other option allows you to make up something. Or perhaps not make up something, but find something that hasn't been made and add it to the game. Yes. And this is where teams can get really creative and they can also shoot themselves in their foot without a blink. Alright, so you do have some restrictions on this. Uh, you can play use Delta Quarter Federation, Erosion, Hologram, Padian. But outside of that, you've got a few good options too. Uh, one thing that I think would be interesting to see is the Melon. Right, the Melon. And I, I think some handsome gentlemen also mentioned the hierarchy would be cool to use too. They would. The potato people who look like Centaurans from Doctor Who, if you're more familiar with that sci-fi. Well, what, um, the, the Melons do already exist in 2E. What would be your thoughts on them for 1E? Well, 1E has a more defined line, and they did a lot of let's move this toxic waste from one place to another. So I would like to see something that involves them moving up and down the space line, creating hazards for the opponents if they happen to be in the Delta Quadrant, and earning profit along the way. So perhaps something similar to uh, the cargo runs that you can do on Norse right now. Right, spe specific to your Melon ship. Right. And, and maybe that and, Melon ship even requires a Melon to use. Yes, because you have to have the uh, the anti-toxins to even fly a Melon ship. Right. I, I, I'm wondering if you'd even go so far as to um, take your event and move it to another location. Just in, in the rare event that your opponent isn't playing in the Delta Quadrant, you could still move your gaps in normal space or subspace warp field or what have you. And that does make sense because the first time that we they are using a wormhole basically to you know put their toxic waste out in what they consider to be the middle of nowhere but actually turned out to be an inhabited space. So who's to say they might not find a wormhole that goes to the Alpha Quadrant and we'll just shove our waste over there. Yeah, the, the only thing with that is that I'd encourage teams to look at all the things that play at a location because, you, you know, their stuff can get a little grisly really quickly. So, how would you do the hierarchy? I personally probably wouldn't. <laughs> I've been thinking about it for a couple <laughs> days. There's that. I, I know that they, they're a group that requires permission to do things from their overseer or what have you. So I was thinking of, you know, if, if your opponent has completed a mission that requires X skill, you complete a mission that requires X skill, score an extra five points or something like that. 
Okay, so if your opponent is doing certain things and you do those same things, you can get bonuses. Right, but the, the thing with that is it requires you to be behind your opponent. Well, that does make sense as far as operate it. They always shadow their opponent, you know, fight on them what they were doing. But from a gameplay standpoint, you want to win first. Right, so maybe something that if your opponent does something that you did, score five points or draw a card or eat a banana or something like that. You know, they were also very good at surveillance. So maybe they could have uh, some mechanic by which they reveal their opponent's stuff. Either, you know, looking underneath missions or looking at the top of the deck or even just looking at the personnel that your opponent has in play. Yeah, interesting. But I'd, I'd like to have that be restricted, just because this is something that I know that my Vidian opponent and my Herodian opponent would really like to use. <laughs> right, and if you do the Malon as a non faction, they can be used with the Herodian and the Vidian, and that could be bad. Right, which is one thing that I like about the Think Tank ship, it requires a think tank personnel. So in order to use it, you need to have a think tank guy there. So it's a little bit harder to just splash into another deck. Well, you, you could splash it in, but you, you definitely need a way to move the darn thing. And then um, some, some people on the boards were talking about the Think Tank, but that's another group that pretty much everything they have, it's already in the game. Yeah, short of doing a whole different version of them, it would be hard to get something new. Right. Uh, but one thing that people have mentioned that I don't think we have seen is the Krimen. Right. I'm also not sure how many episodes they actually appeared in. A total, total of three episodes. It was the preview in Before and After, awesome episode, and Year of Hell, which showed them proper. Right. So that's one one part and one, one two parts. Te technically it's the two-parter because in the one episode in Before and After they weren't really featured. We saw the damage that they did, but they really weren't on screen all that much. Yeah, so that's another faction that's really limited in the number of that you can make for them. But you could add a little star power and make Tom Paris and Jacote, since they did help out uh, Red, whatever his name is in Star Trek. Red Krenum. <laughs> Yeah, and they, they, I think they were wearing civilian clothes in that. Um, someone don't yell at me if I'm wrong, but if they were, that would be a good justification for them to be non-aligned as opposed to federa Federation non-aligned. Right, especially because he really, in that episode, brought into the idea of changing the timeline to help people. Um, he didn't really understand what was going on, and that they weren't really helping people. But for a while, he was totally on board. And to me, that can justify a straight, not a line, not dual. Right. 
And we, we really, well, we've got an idea of how long it took, but we know he was in that mode for quite so, for at least a few days, you know, several weeks or so. And that's enough time for Riker to be not aligned. That's enough time for Chakotay to be not aligned. It is indeed. And the, the um, other thought yeah. I had while randomly avoiding cars going the opposite direction on the freeway were um, the Voth from Distant Origin. They would be very interesting because they also have to the Alpha Quadrant because that's where their ancestry is. Well, not not just that, but they're ready to destroy Earth. So if you're trying to find a faction that naturally doesn't work well with the Federation, mission accomplished. That's them. And they do have something that like in an affiliation, and that's diversity of personnel. You have Voth, who worked with the Federation to try to prove the distant origin theory. And then you have Voth, who were totally against the idea of even proposing this theory. So you have a good mix of people on different sides of the equation, but who are connected by the fact that they're still Voth. Right. In fact, I remember in the original season of Make It So... Um, there was a challenge to make the Zindi as uh, not creating a new affiliation, but as a group of uh, six or nine no. cards. So I know there was one group that had the different factions, and then there was one card that helped get either faction out, depending on what direction you wanted to go. Right, which every uh, every entry in that somehow split up the factions. I think the different entries... Uh, some did better of getting them to work together or letting you choose which factions you want to use. Right. And the, um, the, the other interesting thing Charlie mentions on this is um, do affiliation Klingon Vidian. <laughs> I believe that was just as an example. I, I can't think of anybody who actually in. I'm I'm thinking maybe Belana from the episode Faces, but even that's kind of a stretch. And uh, along those lines, the um, Romulan Delta Quadrant is a, a bit of a stretch as well, considering that we only saw two Romulans in the Delta Quadrant, and one of them was a hologram. Um, did we see it? Who was Alec, right? Um, well, there, there was the hologram from the Children of Light saga. Ah, uh, yes. And then Telekra Moore was there for all of lunch. Yeah. And then, uh, if I recall correctly, there was an unassimilated Orum, I think is his name, uh, Romulan Borg. Right. Now, not that those three wouldn't form an awesome superhero squad, but if, if there's a way to make the Romulans work in the Delta Quadrant and it is, doesn't shoehorn them in, I'm all for it. Somehow I suspect if anyone makes a Romulan card, it's going to be as a supplemental, which is really beyond the scope of this challenge, I think. Right. Well, the, the other thing that I really love about this challenge is Charlie made sure that this challenge was 
focused. Right. Unlike the last chapter where it appeared that we got one team who thought that a subset of dilemmas meant must work with D6, and then the others felt that a subset could be more broad, this challenge is pretty particular in what it's looking for. Yeah, starting with um, avoiding dual affiliation. Well, first of all, um, the affiliation icon either has to appear on the card or be directly referenced. Right, so if you're going to use Kazon, it's got Kazon somewhere in there or be Kazon affiliation. Right, and they they also need to um, avoid Delta, avoid dual affiliation personnel that includes non-aligned. Right, which is part of the reason why I said that the if you if I see a Maquis entry, I'm really hoping that it gives the reason to never go into non-aligned mode. Right, and th- then there's also the whole escalation thing, which you know as as soon as Voyager came out, people were like, "What what the heck? These are universal personnel, but they've got four useful skills on their cards." Yeah, Voyager kind of defined escalation, so let's avoid that this time around. I mean, I I understand from the standpoint that you know we need to make the set set alone, stand alone, and make it work, be competitive with the other affiliations. But yes, yeah. The problem is quantity does not equal quality. When if you think about it, when you're building a deck. You're using, what, maybe 30 cards out of how many that exist, and you're picking the best ones. It doesn't matter that there's 16 million TNG people if the good people are all Voyager. Right. And the the other big thing is that the Delta Quadrant is home. That, you know, even if there's other things for them to do, they need to be the best in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, that's one of those annoying rules that that almost tempts me to break it. You're telling me that Delta Quadrant is home. This implants in me the idea that maybe I should have them do something when they're not there. But that's a bad idea. Yes. Well, one of my initial thoughts before I realized that Federation was not an option were the Hansen. Because, you know, they, they were there working in the Delta Quadrant, and they also had Irene Hansen back at home. So, you know, you could use up one of your valuable mission slots for Earth, or your Alpha Quadrant um, planet, and include an outpost and throw in Irene Hansen. And, but that's two C cards, plus a draw card that you might not even play. Which is something you could do, well, except for the fact that it would be Delta Quadrant Federation. Right. With the project as well. Yes. So that, that's when I realized, okay, they can't be non-aligned, so just scrap this idea and <laughs> think of something else. All right. It's a good plan. Yes. It, it would be very dramatic to 
have Earth and you know, have Voyager not be able to get there, but have the people there helping out. But it wouldn't really fit into any of the affiliations that we could use. Unless you did it with Klingons. Hmm. We don't really see anybody who does that, but those Klingons did come from Kronos. Or a place nearby. I mean, it was a generational ship. Right. So maybe something, maybe even something from Enterprise. Hmm. From getting set up to go to the Delta Quadrant. Well, that, that does kind of violate the Delta Quadrant is home. That's true. But remember, there, there is the card, you are a monument, which requires your Delta Quadrant affiliation to score 40 extra points unless they've solved a mission in the Alpha Quadrant. Right, so just because Delta Quadrant's home doesn't mean you can't go to the Alpha Quadrant at some point. I, I can't imagine that the judges would look too harshly on that, especially considering that the Alpha Quadrant is where most of the action happens. So, you know, having a, you know, go, going there would mean that it's more likely that you're inter interacting with your opponent. Right. I think it all depends on how it's done. If, if you make a card that somehow requires you to do something in the Delta Quadrant before you can go to the Alpha Quadrant, I think that's okay, because then you're really setting up in the Delta Quadrant. Right, or something that requires you to do something in the Delta Quadrant after you've been in the Alpha Quadrant. Like, um, the uh, of objective for Starfleet filing will report, which requires you to get out of the 22nd century, do a mission, and then at least, at the very least, go back to Earth and try and solve that. Which could make sense if you did it with key to where they have to do something in Badland before they get swept off into the Delta Quadrant. Right. Which which does really recreate the, uh, the Caretaker episode really well. Right. But then the catch is, how do you do that in such a way that I don't just take these Maquis personnel and do Alpha Quadrant missions with them? Right. Uh, you, you'd need a pretty decent-sized cookie to offer them, but you'd also need to find a way to make sure that the cookie is unique to Maquis and doesn't get eaten by the Kazan and Vidians. And yet still avoids information. It's good enough to be but not so good that it escalates the game. Right. Well, it's, it's a constant problem with the Timmy card, just because there, there are people that like to use those high-power cards... But there's also people that will just say, yeah, screw it, I'd rather just solve the missions and win that way. Right. And the, um, the, the final criteria is that um, if there's a persona, it must offer a choice. So it's, it's, right. so it's possible for you to have a new version of a main but you need to make sure that when you're looking at that main and their original version, that there's a good choice between the two. Right. The new one completely the old one. 
So if you did something like the non-aligned chicote we talked about with the crimin, that would be okay because you're not going to overshadow the existing Federation chicote because you have a choice there as to which one that you want to use. But if you created a new Federation Maquis Chicote, who was just straight up better than the original, that's when you run into a problem. Right. So there, there really are a lot of options for contestants in this challenge. Yeah, which, that last one, I think that's a problem that we ran into with uh, the Generations uh, Will Riker, William T. Riker. Uh, because a lot of people looked at him and said, well, usually he's not as good as the previous version. But, A, he was the only one available on block, and B, in certain situations, you know, he had that download that could be really good. But a lot of people still didn't like that card. So that that's a uh, risk that the contestants would have to take if they make someone who is different, but not better. Right. There's always that fine line they have to walk. Right, but they have to not only walk, but also get people to like it. Yes, to, to get you to actually stock it in your deck, either instead of something that you have, or in addition to. Which brings us to something that I think is going to start greatly affecting the game at this point, and that's the overall standings. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have some players who are behind others, I mean, as one would naturally expect, and we've only got two challenges left. I think that this is the time where some of the contestants who are closer to the bottom really need to go all out and make something crazy because if they don't go ahead and score a bunch of points now, they don't have much time left to do it in. Right. You know, we, we are nearing the end of the clock. Um, we, we even talked in the pre-show, there's only two challenges left. Yep. And this is one of them. So if there was ever time to do a crazy idea and let's face it, the Delta quadrant is full of crazy ideas. Now's the time to do it. Yes, I mean, I, I talked about the Va. They have ships as big as cities that could hop back to the Alpha Quadrant in a week. You, you want to get a powerful ship out? Go ahead and do it. So I think that's where we may get some actual other entries. Instead of playing it safe, Go big or go home. Do something other. Try to get a whole bunch of points and be in a strong position going into the last challenge. Yes. Whereas I think the people closer to the top will probably tend to lean towards, okay, let's just make something good, solid, get enough points to make it to the finale because that's where the winner is actually chosen. Yes, and it will be interesting if there's a high-scoring player and a low-scoring player on the same team. Well, I'll have to work it out. Yes. 
what will become interesting is uh, going into the last challenge, uh, how many people will get into the finale? Because if you're the third person on your team, the third ranked person on your team, and you share scores, and only two people get in, you wouldn't be getting in. So hopefully we'll see three people in the finale. Well, yeah, the, I, I do like staring at the leaderboard as I go slowly into Insomnia, but it, it is interesting to see that everyone is still kind of within striking distance. You know, there, there's no clear-cut winner as there was in Season 2 of Make It So. Right. There's a gap of... Math about twenty points. And with, with six cards, that's nothing. Right. The challenge six score ranged from one hundred and forty-three rounded to one hundred and fifty-five. So there's certainly enough. Or excuse me, no, one hundred and thirty-eight to one hundred and fifty-five. So there's certainly room to catch up. Yes, there is. So, um, I'm, I'm sorry if I feel a little down, but um, I, I've had this spoiler out on the internets for a week, and, and no one's really commenting on it. A spoiler? Yes, we've, we've, hit, the third page. we've hit the third no. page on the forum, and I've, I've posted that spoiler, and... No, nobody's, nobody's made any comment. Nobody's even mentioned it. Not at all. I'm, I'm starting to feel a little sad. Well, maybe after this podcast, somebody will, you know, spill the bean and let everybody know that there's a spoiler out there. We can get some people talking about what it is and how excited they are for the spoiler that. Not even Charlie knew about. Yes, the uh, spoiler does expire in about a month or so, so you want to make sure you get it quickly while the spoilering is hot. Um, also, if you disagree with something that we've said in this podcast, let us know. If you agree with something we've put in this podcast, let us know. Just let us know, please. <laughs> we want to know that our voices are being heard. Yes. Uh, on this specific thread, please. Our egos are not fragile at all. <laughs> no, no, no. All right. So, um, in all seriousness, thank you all for listening. I'm Ross, faithful reader for Tell. I'm Nathan, Dewey, Chewy Miracle. And look forward to speaking to you next time. Goodbye.